0: Shazam! 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 Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Darn clever, these Earthmen, wouldn't you say? I think I first heard Lord Acton's famous quote, or at least some version of it, from Captain America. Or I guess, actually, I read it in one of his speech bubbles. This principle, the tendency toward corruption brought by incredible power, is the theme of The Mighty Marvel's Join Forces from Fawcett Comics nineteen forty five, Marvel Family Number One. And really, the character that issue introduces, Black Adam. Hello friends, and welcome to the Shazam Cast, Earth's mightiest Captain Marvel podcast. I'm your host, Jeff. Today we're taking a look at the first appearance of Black Adam currently the most high-profile figure from the Shazam family tree. As I mentioned in the preview for this episode, you can find scans of this issue on both Comic Books Plus and the Digital Comics Museum, as well as the Shazam, a celebration of 75 years, compendium from 2015. I chose to read from the scan available on Comic Books Plus, and man, is it gorgeous. A very sincere thanks to the unknown scanner, if he or she happens to be listening. I also noticed something in this scan I was entirely unaware of the Fawcett Comics editorial board according to the comicbooks.com this was a common feature of comic books in the 40s as publishers tried to dispel the notion that comic books were a corrupting influence on their young readers i'll put a link to that piece from the comicbooks.com in the as mentioned post for this episode our story opens with the wizard Shazam hammer and chisel in hand inscribing the tale of black adam's return into the very rock of eternity This is the clearest evidence yet that the Marvel family needs to get Grandpa a pet or set him up with some activities at the Senior Center. Have you ever tried to chisel anything into rock? I haven't. You know why? Because it's stupid difficult. In fact, thinking about whether or not I'd ever heard of anyone actually chiseling a lengthy text into stone, my mind went to Moses and the Ten Commandments, which came down from Mount Sinai on stone tablets. So I think the reader of this comic is supposed to conclude we're about to get some Word of God importance-level stuff out of this issue. But you know what? According to Exodus 31 and Deuteronomy 9, God put the commandments on the stone tablets with his finger. So someone should tell Shazam that if God Almighty thought chiseling messages onto stone wasn't time-efficient, the wizard could probably get by with, like, a nice leather-bound journal or something. One note for those who aren't reading the scan... In the panel I've just been describing, where Shazam is clinking out his message, notice that there is a misspelling in the narration comments. The word dwelt is spelled D-W-E-A-L-T. If you go check the Celebration of 75 Years version, you'll notice the spelling has been corrected. And yes, I checked to see if this is an archaic spelling. Throwing the word into my Google machine brought some results, mostly misspellings of the name of DeWalt Tools. But there were a few uses on websites quoting Tolkien's Lord of the Rings as well as the King James Bible. However, I ran it through some 1611 KJV text searches and didn't find it. So I'm wondering if those websites just repeated the error. Not so much that they were copying from Fawcett Comics, but that it was just a misspelling. Are there any linguists or etymologists out there who can let me know for sure? Back to the story. Billy Batson is dispatched by his boss at Wiz Radio to the local observatory, where a meteorological phenomenon has been spotted inbound. The observatory obviously isn't maintained according to building code because the ginormous telescope comes crashing down on the astronomer using it. However, Billy says the word, transforms into Captain Marvel, and saves the day. It seems like, prior to this event, it was only Billy and this astronomer in the observatory. If that indeed is the case, Billy is playing fast and loose with his secret identity. Unless, of course, this is a particularly unobservant astronomer, which doesn't seem likely. Hey, that reminds me, I know that Ordway turned the fictional home of Billy Batson into Fawcett City. However, I can't remember the name of the city when Fawcett was actually publishing the stories. Can someone reach out and let me know? Anyway, at this point in our story, Shazam, who obviously has way too much time on his hands, takes his story into a refresher on how Billy came to have the powers of Captain Marvel. This provides us an opportunity to catalog the elements of the origin story thus far. Here we get the following. Billy Batson, an orphan... Summoned to a mysterious location. Shazam, an aged wizard whose time is running out. A magic lightning bolt that transforms Billy into Captain Marvel, the world's mightiest mortal. A death by crushing for the wizard, soon after Billy's first transformation into Captain Marvel, which I still don't get. And the immediate appearance of the ghostly wizard, an element I'm further confused about, considering this immaterial ghost is here using a hammer and chisel to write a story. Next, the revelation that Shazam's name is an acrostic composed of the first letters of the names of mythopoeic figures who give Captain Marvel his various powers. It seems what we have here is a pretty good start on the most essential ingredients of the Captain Marvel mythos. I would add as essential not only that Billy Batson is the alter ego of Captain Marvel, but that his characterization as an optimistic, kind-hearted, and likable underdog to this list, considering that characterization was consistent for about six decades. Back in the story, we're soon introduced also to Freddie Freeman, who becomes Captain Marvel Jr., and in just a moment, Mary Marvel. Both of those characters will be covered in future episodes, so we'll let that be all we have to say for them for the time being. For now, in story, we find Batson and Captain Marvel Jr. standing, inexplicably, together on a street, where they first lay eyes on Black Adam flying above. Here we get the detail that Adam has been flying for 5,000 years after Shazam banished him to the furthest star. Adam lands, and immediately begins a confrontation with a beat cop. The officer is first punched to his knees by Adam, and then, after firing a few useless shots into the chest of the guy who just assaulted him, has Adam hit him with a backbreaker while screaming for help. This isn't stated in the story, but one imagines that Freddie Freeman, here in his Captain Marvel Jr. persona, who was similarly crippled by a superpowered monster, would identify with this cop. CMJ leaps into action and trades blows with Black Adam, both finding that their strikes do not affect the other combatant. CMJ leaps into action and trades blows with Black Adam, both finding that their strikes do not affect the other combatant. Billy changes to Captain Marvel, repeats the process, and Black Adam pieces out into the crowd when he realizes that he can't whip Captain Marvel. Hey, real quick. What is the deal with Black Adam being portrayed as having pointy ears? Was this some sort of comics trope that communicated otherness? Or just an unexplained one-off? It's particularly weird when you consider that we're about to be told Black Adam is just some dude from Egypt. Are we supposed to believe that ancient Egyptians had pointy ears? Are there other pointy-eared figures from the Fawcett comics of the 40s? If you know the answer to any of those, I'd love to hear from you. Back in the story, Adam doubles around behind Captain Marvel and his sidekick, sees them transform into their non-powered identities, and then trails them back to the Rock of Eternity. Once there, the boys are given Black Adam's origin story. They find out that Shazam had workshopped the Captain Marvel idea back in the day, bestowing his gifts on what appears to be a good man from Egypt by the name of Adam. In the flashback, we learn that Shazam appears to have been the same age he was when he met Billy for thousands of years. We also get a brief glimpse of the face of the mortal Adam before he is transformed, and it remains the same after he is transformed into Mighty Adam, which is Black Adam's original name. Sadly, and in fulfillment of Lord Acton's notion, Adam soon goes power mad, overthrows Pharaoh. Note, by breaking his neck, what is it with this guy and paralyzing his victims? And starts out on a world-conquering agenda. Shazam intervenes, declares that Mighty Adam is now Black Adam, and puts Adam in time out. Back on Earth, Mary Batson is getting worried about Billy, and she, along with Uncle Dudley, head over to the Rock of Eternity, which I guess you can just walk to somehow, to find out if the wizard has heard from her brother. There the pair observe Black Adam leering over the boys. We're now treated to a recounting of Mary's origin while she changes into Mary Marvel in order to do battle with this no-good Nick in front of her. Uncle Dudley transforms too, and we get a pretty concise summary of his character. Last week, when I put the preview of this episode up, Dan Richeza, and I hope I got that pronunciation right, asked who Dudley was. Well, Dan, here's a pretty good answer. Dudley does the whole shout-shazam thing, but instead of being magically transformed, he just drops his regular clothes and wears a homemade version of the Captain Marvel costume. The super-powered Marvels know the deal, but let Dudley hang around nonetheless. Dudley begins the confrontation of Adam, but is quickly knocked off his feet, thankfully without having his back broken. Mary takes her turn to engage, quite unsuccessfully, while Dudley does the smart thing and frees Billy and Freddy. However, even the combined might of the Marvel family can't make a dent in Black Adam. Seeing this, Uncle Dudley lights the Shazam candle and asks the wizard for a cheat code. Shazam's sage advice is to get Adam to transform into a mortal by saying the wizard's name. Amazingly, Dudley is able to pull this off by playing on Black Adam's vanity. Adam says the wizard's name, realizes he's been tricked, but is punched out by Captain Marvel before he can correct his error. There, unconscious on the floor... Adam's mortal body withers as he experiences 5,000 years of aging all at once. Two panels later, and our story is wrapped. A couple of final thoughts. Obviously, Black Adam was written as a one-off. However, Wikipedia says that the character is resurrected in the Fawcett universe by Savannah. The entry does not, however, indicate when this takes place. Does anyone know the issue where Black Adam is resurrected? Also, I find it interesting that in this story filled with superpowered demigods, the victory is won by the one non-powered character involved. Considering the era, this storytelling is counterintuitive, and also indicates that Binder was committed to having the non-powered characters play heroic roles. Pretty impressive. Speaking of impressive, this basic solution to the Black Adam problem has some impressive staying power. In about every new telling of the Black Adam story, we find an ending with him tricked into depowering himself. This repetition really speaks to the power of the storytelling coming out of Fawcett in 1945 by Binder and Beck. The better part of a century, and no better alternative has been found. With writing like this, it is no wonder Captain Marvel became such a popular character. Lastly, on the character of Black Adam, this origin story makes it clear that contrary to whatever The Rock and DC editorial believe, Black Adam is not a hero. He's not even an anti-hero. He's a black-hearted, power-mad tyrant as I've said before. He's the kind of guy who's so wicked that just dispatching his foes isn't sufficient. But he goes out of his way to paralyze them. This isn't somebody that we should be trying to shoehorn into the heroic role. And that brings us to the end of this episode of the Shazam cast. I asked a lot of questions this time around, and I would really love to hear from you if you have any of the answers. Also, I mentioned a while back that I would love to improve the subreddit dedicated to Shazam, I still haven't heard back from the mod there, so if you are a Reddit user, I would appreciate you sending him a message in the hopes that we can get the Shazam subreddit up to snuff. Finally, leaving a review on iTunes is super helpful, both in letting me know how to direct the course of this podcast, as well as helping new listeners find the show. I would so appreciate you leaving one. Alright, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time on the Shazamcast.